good pain is like a choice that you make to use struggle to your advantage and not to be blown over by it. Welcome to Let It Out, my podcast. I'm Katie Delbout, your host. This podcast was meant to be in a break, but here I am with a bonus episode for you. There are some songs that I crave listening to over and over again. I love them so much that I find myself sort of rationing them and not allowing myself to listen to them as often as I want to for fear that I'll get sick of them and then I'll love them less and inevitably I do but then I find new songs eventually but these select favorites that I go through that obsessive phase of will always remind me of the first time I heard them and what it was like to crave them. And I do this with not just music, but mostly music, but I do this with food and clothes and movies and places. I find myself like denying my pleasure and putting off my joy for a time where I'll really need it. Like I can't watch that cozy movie unless I really need the cozy movie because then I might really need it and I'll have just watched it. So I won't want it. It's like a security blanket, I think. But I guess I maybe wouldn't do that with a security blanket. I would just allow it. But anyway, today's guest made one of those songs. It's called Good Pain, and we talk about it quite a bit in this episode, but there was a period of time where all I wanted to listen to was that song, and I still really love the song. It's poppy and a great song, and his other music is great too, and his dancing and his stage presence is really something. He's also very smart and articulate and just a great, interesting guy. His name is Adrian Gelvin, but he goes by the stage name Yoklor. Maybe you know him and love him and love his music. I do. I think he's so great. And I loved this episode. We talk about creativity and we talk about songwriting a bit. We talk about traveling and being on the road. He talks about his girlfriend a lot and it's so sweet. And his girlfriend's actually Kelly Oxford, who I also really love. And he obviously really loves. She's one of my dream people to interview. So, you know, if you want to make a, if you, if you know anyone, <laughs> let me know. If you want to make a campaign for that, maybe that will happen too. Maybe we can tweet at her and she'll come on the podcast. But anyway, this is an episode about Adrian Gelvin, a.k.a. Yoklor. I'm so excited for you to hear it. couple quick announcements. Thank you so much for the nice messages about the launch of the new website. I have felt so strange and paralyzed putting out this new project into the world, this digital magazine of Let It Out, if you didn't listen last week. I have been working on something since... February of 2018, and it's finally out into the world. And it would make me so happy if you spent some time checking out the new site, share it with friends, tell me what you think, give me your feedback, and come celebrate if you're in New York on August 14th. We're having a party, and I would love for you to be there. Before we get to my conversation with 
Yolklore. This week's sponsor is really special. It's legitimately a real life. I've hung out with them multiple times. They've come to my birthday party. Friend. And I know I say that all the sponsors are friends and that is true because usually I become friends with them after. But man, this is this is a real friend. It's my friend Libby and her company Goldilocks jewelry. It's the only jewelry that I wear. I don't wear jewelry at all, actually, except hers. She's based in Detroit, which is where I used to live and where we met. We were at this holiday market that I was shopping at, and she was the first artist that I stopped by her booth and checked out her items. And like I said, I didn't wear jewelry then, but I just liked her stuff. It was easy to wear and I bought like five rings. They were these stackable, very affordable, well-made pieces of art that were just really fun. And Libby was like, can I take a photo of your nails? Because my nails were looking fresh that day, you guys. They had like just been done. And I was like, of course. And she and I became friends ever since then. And the rest is history. And we used to hang out, like I said, all the time in Detroit. And I genuinely love her art. Her jewelry is what I give as gifts. It's what I wear. It's the only thing I wear. And it really makes me feel like an outfit's put together. If I'm not wearing a piece of her jewelry, I just feel like I'm not dressed up. Not that I'm dressing up, but it just, it pulls things together in a way that I really like. Libby's rings are the only thing I wear. I love them so much. She also gave me a necklace as my going away present when I moved. And I wear that all the time too. To be honest with you, I don't have my ears pierced, so I don't wear her earrings, but I, I might get them pierced because they're so beautiful. And I would just love if you checked out her stuff, honestly. This episode is during when we were meant to be on a break, but I'm able to do this episode because my friend decided to sponsor it so I could put it out in the world. And it actually costs quite a bit of money to produce these episodes. So when we don't have a sponsor, there's not a new episode. And Libby stepped up and her company, Goldilocks Jewelry, is the best I really think you guys should check them out. Let's all get friendship rings or bracelets or let's pick an item and all wear it together. I would be so down. She makes affordable handmade jewelry that's intended for everyday wear and it's really versatile. It's made with brass, gold, sterling silver, and some pearls and semi-precious gemstones. It's made in Detroit, obviously. It's women-owned obviously women run it's such a great company and Libby's such a great person and I just love her stuff so much and I know it doesn't mean the stuff is good if the person is good and I've really harped on how wonderful Libby is so you know Libby could be great but her her jewelry could be terrible but honestly I've had these rings for five years now something like that four or five years they're in great condition. I don't need more. I might buy more, actually. I'm probably going to use this code. We have this discount code for 20% off your order that we can use through the end of September. So I'm probably going to order some new stuff just because, you know, I need a refresh. But please support her. Buy yourself something. It's affordable and it's even more affordable with the discount code for 20% off. It's let it out. That's the code. 
buy your mom something, buy your best friend something, buy yourself something, most importantly, your aunt, your cousin, your daughter, please. It would mean so much to me if you supported Goldilocks Jewelry and my friend Libby and her art. She's so talented and she sponsored the podcast because she wanted to do marketing outside of social media, specifically Instagram. And I think that's really cool. So please support her. Enjoy this episode with Yokelor. Tell me what you think. And when you finish the episode, go and maybe see him because he's a really great performer and he's touring right now. And I think you guys would like his show. I'll talk to you at the end. Let's start. I want to know what your life is like. What are like the three things you do every morning and maybe the last three things you do at night? I'm sure it varies when you're traveling. Not really. I'm a a man of ritual. Yeah. So I, I definitely have um one of, one of the ways that it makes touring easier is actually to have personal rituals that I repeat and kind of uh, uh, orient myself with. I guess. What are some of those? I do yoga every morning, so I have like a personal practice that I think keeps me fit, and grounded, yeah. and uh, it helps me stay a little bit connected to my body. Because you know, on tour, when you're eating like six hamburgers a day, it's like not totally not the best on the body. So it's nice to have that to uh, be able to have a have a, a practice mm-hmm. or, or have something else that you do with your body besides sit and eat. How did you get into yoga? My mother is a yoga teacher. Oh, cool. What yeah. kind of yoga did you do? It's a Taoist yoga. Okay. Um, so I used to teach it before I did this. Oh, cool. So Very cool. It's nice to have like a, just like a really physical practice to yeah. be able to do and use myself with. Yeah. I taught yoga all through college and it's nice that to have that groundwork that framework from mm-hmm. having learned to do it yourself so what are the what are the other things you do in the morning yoga what are like the first three things i smoke weed i do yoga i drink tea what kind of tea i guess it depends but uh-huh. in the mornings i love a mint tea okay i think like a, a soft mint tea is really refreshing yeah like a morning. real mint leaf tea yeah even yeah. on or on the go eat more of a Tea bag I mean, situation. Like, oh, I'll, I'll take a Moroccan mint if yeah. you got it. You know, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take what I can get. But. Yeah. What about in the evening? What are what do you do to wind down? What are like the last few things? Uh, I smoke weed. <laughs> I read a lot. I'm a big reader. I'm a pretty big nerd, and so I, I I read boring books before bed to like get me to sleep. What are you reading right now? I just finished this book called 1493, and it's about like history. Yeah, it's more of, it's maybe a geography and economics book, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's kind of about how, like, the Columbus's, like, discovery of America and the global market it initiated, just how it altered, like, everyone's social experience in the world wow. and how, like, it, you know, just forced all these people to end up half across, halfway across the world in trade or slave relationships or, uh, and it just um, kind of introduced all these crops to, like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Potatoes from Peru ended up in Ireland being like the most, Crazy. you know, the, the main food source. So things like that. Yeah. So yeah, that's really, I just finished it. It was incredible. Nice. So reading, weed, sleep, teeth brush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I usually meditate a little bit. What I kind guess of that's meditation in the morning. do you do? I do like breath, like a breathing meditation. Mm-hmm. I used to teach pranayama a little bit as well. And so I kind of use the pranayama practice as a meditation yeah. Cool. We were talking a little bit before about 
your show tonight and how much you have to show up with mm-hmm. to perform at that level. Mm-hmm. And who I was interviewing right before you, she told me this concept that she learned from her therapist, which she said that she keeps evangelizing to everyone and I'm already mm-hmm. doing it now to you. Maybe you've heard this, the spoon theory. Have you heard about this? Like we only have so many spoons and all of us have a different amount of spoons based on if you're an introvert or an extrovert, we might have a different amount of spoons and every interaction you have with another human being, usually they take spoons and very few, sometimes there'll be an interaction where you'll actually get a spoon back. But like this interaction probably takes a couple of spoons from you. Tonight will probably take a lot more, hopefully, than this does. And you only have so many, so you have to, you know, be aware of how many spoons you have. So anyway, I just really liked that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I'd say one of the most important parts for me is is um, taking time for myself to like mine more spoons. Totally, because you, you need that to create your art. Yeah, and I think like um, the part of the art itself is being able to just offer, mm-hmm. you know, and to be able to give to people. Yeah. And so like, I, I think part of the art making process is generating spoons and like totally. how you go about doing that and the techniques you use to sustain them. Yeah. So what are the techniques you use to sustain them? Right. I don't know how, how good it is for me, but I am always... Not always, but there are times when I'm when I crave and necessitate a, a degree of isolation mm-hmm. in which I just, you know, need to be with myself. And yeah. I think that helps me generate spoons. Well, your work is so vulnerable and so earnest and I love it. I think it's Thank you. great, but I know that that must to create work that's so earnest and sincere must I would think takes a lot more spoons than someone making something more homogenized. So it probably takes more to protect yourself with that. Yes. Have you always been this way? Have you always been earnest and sincere and vulnerable? Or was this (laughs) something that developed? Yeah, I think it's always been my instinct to, I guess I've gravitated towards art that's been really personal and um, really emotional and intellectual integrity. Mm -hmm. And I guess I've, I've always been drawn to art that, goes a little bit more deeper into the substantive mysteries of existence. What was some of that art? I know that you grew up in New York. What was the music that you listened to growing up? How did that, did you know you wanted to be a musician? Yeah, well, kind of. I don't know. It was never really like a choice that I made. It was kind of just like what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Like when you put me in the world. Yeah? Yeah, it's kind of like a byproduct of my life almost. It's like a compulsion. It's not something I was like, oh man, I I need to be a musician. Like, this is what I want to do. It was just like, what? Ha- like I don't know. Like, I was already writing songs because I, f- I felt like I should write some songs. And then... How did you feel that way? Like, did you... Were you around musicians? Were you... Dude, I couldn't tell you. From from the minute I remember being conscious, I can remember, like, wanting to sing wow. things. And I... Yeah, it's it's just... It's like a built-in aspect of my yeah. of my body. But yeah, and I guess the the stuff I was exposed to really little actually. I was I come from a very like musical art, artsy family, um, and everyone was really big into musical theater when I was when I was mm-hmm. little. I listened to like the Cats, 
book on tape, like, you know, musical on tape. That's in how the car, I was like. with Rent. Like I can, people can like point a line and I can say the next one just from like. Oh yeah, I know every single, every single word in that musical too. <laughs> all of them. Like, we could I, like do like, a duel. Yeah, like all of them. <laughs> so I was actually kind of like entrenched in this. I love musical theater. Like I, I really do. My brother's on Broadway right now. It's like, okay. it's a, it's a part of my life and always be, but. I was kind of steeped in like the lack of sincerity that you find in musical theater. That kind of like the ham, you know, yeah. the, the showmanship. It's over. The camp, yeah. Right. And I, I really wanted to find the opposite of that. <laughs> and while my brother and sister were all like, you know, singing their hearts out on stage, like I was like, mm, does it really matter? And so I wanted, I was always kind of looking for that thing that really gave me that, that really moved me. You know, yeah. and so I began to, um, I found like, uh, what did I listen to when that happened? I guess first I found like hardcore music and like what really moved me first was like the, just the sheer energy of bands like the Misfits, No Effects, Rancid, just got into like really hard music that, that really allowed me like move my body and move my mind and made me um, mobilize my aggression in a way that I think I kn- that I needed to in order to like get to the next place. You seem like someone that's really in your body, which I really admire because I'm someone who tends to like exist over here and I really have mm-hmm. to focus on getting back in my body. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what you were saying with, yeah. with music. Was music helpful? What was kind of the next Yeah, it step? kind of, it's a, it's a, the next step was, was the drums. I'm a drummer and when I so physical yeah and when I kind of I guess when I first like stepped into my like self-made birthright like I kind of like felt like I needed to do it with my whole my whole body you know so I started drumming and that that was that was that when did you start drumming I was like eight or nine I guess you're a kid yeah, yeah, I was really little. What other music informed you growing up in New York City? Were you going to shows? Were you seeing music? To Did you have like expanders showing you what you wanted to be? Yeah, I did. And I was going to like hardcore shows. My friends, like, I was really, I was always like, my, my musical proclivities were always like changing a lot. And I was exposed to a lot. I was I was really lucky to be from a family that like really put the value on on art making yeah and then I remember like it was a little weird but my family's pretty uh religious and I think also the the spiritual music I I heard and and was a part of growing up really affected me a lot like being in Hebrew school and like watching being around with like my family and lighting candles and then like the lights getting dark and we're singing these like ancient ancient melodies that like our family's been singing for centuries. It was like a really intense, powerful thing, you know? Yeah. And so I think, yeah, I was just, I wanted that. I wanted to create that for more people. And I saw how like uh, special it was and kind of how it soothed all the disparate anxieties of existence for a moment. Yeah. That's so cool. I I feel like your, and your art does that now, which is. I hope so. Yeah, it does. And I think something we always talk about on the show, I ask about God, spirituality, what do you think happens when we die? Where are you with all of that now? And does that background of spirituality inform your work at all? Oh, hell yeah. Tell me all the things. Tell me how. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I was raised both Jewish and Christian. My parents are respectively devout worshipers of each. Which I think is really rare. Yeah. Well, it's rare that they wouldn't compromise. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> and still love each other. It's really cool. Yeah, they're a great team. But and they're still together. No, no, they're not. <laughs> but they're still a great team. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, they're they have a really Mine good relationship. Not together, not a great team. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's even better when they cannot be together and be. A yeah, good team. I, I've that's how I felt when they split. I was like, thank God. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this will be way better, guys. Yeah, but um. Uh, yeah, so I I have lots of ideas about that stuff. Had to do the whole bar mitzvah and confirmation thing, and then I went to college, and I kind of felt like I needed to balance the two out, and so I wrote this pretty uh, hefty thesis on liberation theology and German social theory, which I kind of used to balance out the Jewish and Christian it stuff. Not, have you met anyone else who's <laughs> done that who's grown up and with that dichotomy of like learning one thing and almost the opposite rarely rarely but it's cool I, it's I was, so cool yeah i think i was i was, I was very lucky because yeah. then I, yeah because i got into college and kind of like it launched me into a an area of study that really like brought me to a new level of thinking about myself and about the way i read and the way i speak yeah. and yeah it was, i feel really lucky so where are you with God, religion, what happens when we die? What's your spiritual meaning? Those are some now? big questions. I don't know yeah. if I can answer them all in five minutes, but I pretty much think God is a story of that helps us orient ourselves where we need to be and where we want to be and where we were and how to deal with all that. I think it's an it's a, a necessary essential aspect of who we are and of um like a way to identify with others and I'm a big fan of religion in the way that it connects people and the way that it gives people a community through which they can explore their divinity but I'm pretty disappointed I guess with the direction that a lot of organized religions been taken in terms of emphasizing the more controlling aspects of a religious community more than the liberative aspects of, of one. And when you die, I think whatever you think is going to happen, happens. Mm. What do you think is going to happen? What do you want to happen then? I think I'll go to the next, the next spot and see what's, see what else there is to do. Cause I think I got things to do. You think you'll keep singing there? I don't know. I think, I don't know. I talked to this dude once who told me that I've been like on this trip for a while and I've been, on a music trip for several lifetimes. So wow. maybe I'll do it again. Wow. And maybe you'll be done. Maybe this will be the combination. Exactly. Of maybe I'll like finish my thing and start something new next time. Yeah. I want to talk about your song, Good Pain. I'm sure you've had to talk about this song so much, but I think about it all the time because I believe that we grow through essentially good pain of hard things. And wouldn't it be so great if we lived in a, Maybe your next life when you come back, it'll be your song will be called Good Pleasure or something. Like, wouldn't it be so great if we grew through easy things and fun things and when things go well? But I believe that growth comes from hard things. So, yeah. And I, th I think those, whether something's easy or hard is, is almost a matter of perspective. And I, and I and think, time. like, yeah, yeah. And I think good pain is like a choice that you make to 
use struggle to your advantage and not to be blown over by it, you know? Yeah. What helps you when you're feeling feelings and going through something? Where do you turn? Writing and creation is, I'm assuming that's part of yeah, it. Yeah, a big part of it is is like <laughs> folding into myself so I, <laughs> to write and create more. I really rely on the people around me. I think contact is huge. Yeah. Physical contact and emotional contact. I, I really, yeah, rely on the people I love in my life to kind of um, be able to... Give you spoons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Be able to give me spoons and to be able to not like be there for me to like ass- to assuage my anxiety or something, but to be there for me in order to let me know that I'm not hot shit or something. <laughs> to like, like ground, let me know that ground like, you. Yeah, like your struggle is, you're just struggling. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And that, like, you're not alone. It's not the end of the world. Like yeah. you're not going to die. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, totally. I feel like I need to, something can seem so huge yeah. in my mind. And the second, literally, that's why this is all called that I let it out to someone. I feel less alone and connected and part of the world yeah, in totally. a way that even sometimes just honestly putting on a podcast that gets me out of my mind mm-hmm. and being out in New York City, seeing what's around me makes me feel like I'm, what's happening in my mind isn't so huge. Totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Is that hard for you being, if, human connection is so important to you like it is to all of us is that hard for you being on tour so much how do you get a hit of I listen that? a lot of podcasts <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> it is but you know there's such an like a massive validation you get every night from a crowd that it's um it's easy to put yourself in that space and and to get out of the personal but it does take a toll on the personal for sure at the end of every tour, I'm pretty, pretty broken. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, like two, months, like two months in, I'm like, uh, I'm freaking out. I'm like yelling at people for no reason. I'm, you know, it get it, it does take a toll for sure. Where are you in that cycle right now? Oh, I'm, I'm great. Cause I've just been <laughs> hanging out in LA for the last week with my girlfriend. Great. So I've, great. I'm, I'm straight. You're, you've got all the spoons. Yeah, I've got so many spoons right now. Great. <laughs> I caught you at a good moment. So what do you do to fill up when you've, depleted your spoons i'm really leaning into this spoon analogy no i like it i like it i go home i see my family i i write music i do my rituals i call my girlfriend and tell her i love her you know it's just i I think making contact for me is huge and and with myself too you know just making sure that there's like time where i can establish that contact ask myself what's going on and yeah put it down I think it's cool that human connection and talking to people is so helpful to you, even though you get so much dopamine from being on stage. I'm sure it's it's different than yeah, it's than what you get from your girlfriend and from talking to a person one on one. So how do you I want to know how you feel after a show? Like what do you feel like you ever have to manage that? I guess it's okay for you to be addicted to that because it's your mm-hmm. job and it's your life. But do you feel addicted to needing that? Do you feel all, almost like you need spoons in the opposite direction when you haven't had a show for a while? Yeah. I mean, for me, sometimes not having a show for a while is... I'm also a very, very active person. Like, I, I need to be going, going. In order for me, like, to, for me to feel like I'm making progress in, in any area, really. I need to be, like, banging my hands, head against the wall trying to make it happen. And if I'm not, then I feel like I'm useless. Like being hyperproductive? Yeah. Yeah, I have the same thing. And so when I'm not working for a while, sometimes I, 
I get a little stir crazy and not like a while. Like it's like a week or something. I start to freak out that I'm not, you know, the other guy is killing it. <laughs> but I, I guess when I get off stage, I'm still vibrating at a pretty high frequency and it takes a while for me to kind of like work my way down after that. But it is like, there are like spaces that I step into in order to accomplish different things, you know, certain aspects of myself that I'll either, for lack of a better term, like exploit. And then aspects of my personality that I'll have to set aside sometimes in order to get something done or have a conversation with someone that I don't want to have or, you know. Be a person, I guess. After a show, what are like, what are the things you do to come down from that? What are you actually doing? Well, usually after a show, I, I take like 10 minutes just to like breathe and drink water. And then I usually go meet people and sign things and give hugs and stuff. And that brings me back down because it's again, I have to like do this again. And mm-hmm. instead of like that with a mass amount mm-hmm. of people. So I think that that really does help. But even after that, I'm still like up here. And, and honestly, it's like where my where my my body goes up there a lot just to just to get things done because I know I can it's like my the level at which I can get things done yeah but it's usually like time to get out of the headspace takes I don't know sometimes I need to like be alone in a room for a little bit just to like recalibrate yeah because I'm so I'll when I'm in that space I'll stay in that space if I can you know like my body like enjoys being up there it enjoys being physical it enjoys being like um quick and nimble enjoy it like it's like a high yeah it's a high Mm -hmm. exactly it's euphoria and so i usually have to like make time for myself to kind of like come down come back to myself a little bit Mm -hmm. that makes sense okay this is kind of a the opposite end of that performing what's your writing process like do you ever feel like you get an idea and it's inconvenient and you have to catch it what's your are you writing while you're touring or is it a separate thing not really i mean i'm always writing like I wrote, I can show you my voice memos and like always cool. recording different things. But when I when I do like write write, I like to really go into a space and like write write for like a couple for at least like a couple of days or a week just to take time. I usually I go to Joshua Tree a lot just to be in a house by myself to write. The writing process for me is I don't know it's a combination of being able to receive things while also being like willful enough to generate things. And it's constantly me kind of like fighting or trying to balance out that those kind of Mm -hmm. situations. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's everybody's like sitting down and doing the work when you have to, and also being open to inspiration and Mm -hmm. yeah. What is your relationship to your phone and social media like? Contentious, at best. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Do you have anything that helps? (laughs) Yeah, I struggle with it. I know it's necessary and I know it's a part of what I do, but it's, you know, it's not instinctual for me. It's not enjoyable really for me, but I do know it's necessary and sucks we gotta do it. I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird. It's a weird weird thing. I, I get, you know, it has its, just like anything, it's it's going to be how you use it that kind of determines the character of it and the character of yourself, I guess. And so it just, I think for each person, it just comes down to like 
how much of yourself you want to put into it, you know? Yeah. And I'm thinking about making boundaries with it and figuring out how to use it in your life when it's sort of for work, but it's also, and I think we're around the same age. We grew up not having it. We can still remember not having it and having it pretty young. And I think, you know, when it started, it was this fun thing, but now it doesn't seem fun to me at all. It seems entirely work, but it's just, it's complicated, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I see it as, as, as pretty work heavy and kind of in that space. Yeah. And that's okay. I know that I'm not essentially or, or substantively beholden to it. And I think as long as you kind of understand that, yeah, it's okay. You mentioned comparison, like kiddingly a second ago. Is that something that you, you seem so confident and unique in yourself. I can't imagine you comparing yourself to anyone else. Is that something that you do? Do you do it on social oh, yeah. media? Constantly. Yeah. I think everyone does. I mean, to a certain extent. I'm constantly seeing and watching how my peers are going about it and how the people I want to be like are navigating this world. And I think it's good to be conscious of what the world is doing and what the people around you, how they're operating. And I guess that's a lot of the way I learn is is just by watching people operate and being like, wow, I never want to do that. (laughs) Or wow, I think I could do that better. Or even just like witnessing something that's really, really wonderful. Like the music in Hebrew school that I wanted to like recreate. I was like, this is such a beautiful experience. Like, I don't want to write songs for Rosh Hashanah, but like, I I definitely want to create this experience. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever feel triggered or sad by comparison or like jealous? Oh yeah, all the time. What do you do when you do have a way to pivot out of that? That you can tell me? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's there's this perception in the entertainment industry that there are people who get like big breaks or something or get like uh, some kind of lucky hit or something and or any like, you know, just like big, steep progress is hard to contend with for sure. But I think more and more I've I've realized that like everyone's working as hard as you are. No one is getting a lucky break. And even if it seems like someone's has some like skyrocket progress that like it's been slow and hard all before that or something, or it's still slow and hard. Like it's just important to keep the notion that even when I see something that makes me uncomfortable or or that makes me jealous or something that like, I don't know the whole picture and I don't know even half the picture that I'm seeing like a really slim percentage of the picture. Yeah. And just to, yeah, just to keep that perspective that like feelings lie. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that your feelings just don't tell you the truth all the time. And that it's just a feeling. And it'll pass. Yeah. Okay. So we end with some quick fire questions, but some of them aren't actually that quick, but I warm you up with easier ones. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? Whoa. Wetzel's pretzels. Oh my gosh. I haven't thought about Wetzel's pretzels (laughs) in so long. I used to get them all the time in the mall when I was a child. I was just going to say, yeah, I was, was, my girlfriend's daughter was, we were taking her to the mall. There was a Wetzel's Pretzels. Did you have a dip? Please tell me there was a dip involved. I had the cinnamon sugar one. That doesn't even need a dip. It was really incredible. That sounds really incredible. What's a song you're listening to right now or liking right now? Oh, I was listening to this song called Pretend We're Dead by the band L7. Mm. Favorite part of your life right now? Playing music has always been the one. Something you're afraid of, but you're doing anyway. 
How are you challenging yourself? I feel like I, I use that idea as more of like a, a momentary consideration, mm-hmm. maybe more so than like a, an event oriented aspect of my life. Yeah. Like it's not so much that I'm like learning French, even though I'm not good at languages. It's, it's more like when I'm in each situation, I ask myself like, can you go mm-hmm. a little bit further? Can you go a little bit deeper? Even though it might not be the easiest or the, or what you want. Like, can you, can you do that anyway? And yeah. Or like when I perform, I do that. Like, can you give them more? Like, can you go harder or softer? Can you find someone here who needs something from you? Yeah. And I feel like it's different, different days. Like some things are easy some days and some things based on how you feel. Absolutely. What are you most curious about right now? I'm really curious about how the personal can inform the universal. I'm curious to see how I can draw really intimate personal details out of my life and make them into these really universal experiences. I'm looking for more ways to to harness and, and complete that. I think you do that well. Cool. Hope so. Greatest lesson on creativity. The four agreements. Oh, so good. Greatest lesson on family. E.T. Phone home. Yeah. That's all you need. Greatest lesson on romantic relationships. There's this guy named Alan de Botton. I don't know. He's a French writer and he wrote a book called A Course on Love. And mm-hmm. it's about it's about this man and woman's um like relationship from like the time they meet to when they get divorced or like after they get divorced and it's like whew, it's an incredible book. Is it book. a novel or a nonfiction? It's I guess yeah, I guess it's it's fiction, but it's he writes it like it's a novel like he writes it like yeah. it's about these two really real people. Like a study, an experiment and Yeah, it's like it's like a case study of like yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a relationship over the entire like twenty year course of it. Whoa, I need to read that. On the other end of that, greatest lesson on heartbreak, breakups, uh, good pain. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of where I where I got that. You made that. a song like, that, yeah, right. that works for it. <laughs> <laughs> works for me for it. <laughs> greatest lesson, oh man, this is hard. Oh, The Lion King. Yeah, man, when, I mean, who hasn't cried when Mufasa dies? It's like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is the end of everything. Pain. Yeah, and then he comes back from it. You never know, it can happen. Greatest lesson on friendship? Of mice and men. Mm. I like your answers, your theme here. Yeah? You're giving art, yeah, this right, is great. Good. I haven't thought about that book in so long, right? but it informed me so much in high so school. So much, it was such an incredible yeah. book. And like, Lenny. Yeah, Lenny and... Oh, what's his name? Cur- is it Curly? Lenny's the big guy. Lenny's the big guy. Oh. That's going to bug me. Oh, uh, it's right there. It's, what, it's something know? more serious. It's something more of like a normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you guys remember? Only we had a device that could tell us. The one who John, John Malkovich plays in the movie. Yeah. I forget. We'll yeah. look it up after this. Let's, okay. let's talk this boat so we can scratch our itch and know what his name is. Okay, <laughs> we always talk about body image because of my biggest struggle with that. Uh-huh. Have you ever struggled with not feeling yourself in, in your body and what helps you f- feel confident as yourself? I've felt that in other ways. Not through my body. I've, I've, I have other issues in my body. <laughs> like it not being able to stop. But I've definitely had times where I, where I feel disembodied. Where I don't 
feel connected to my body at all. And I think those are the times when I've, where my version of what you're feeling kicks in. I really rely on, you know, when I was little, I was like really, I was like, I was really small for a long time. I'm still pretty small. But so I used to get like picked on a lot. And I remember kind of like using my intensity to like combat that. And like, I remember. Compensate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when I was like in middle school, I used to get like beat up. And then like in high school, I would like start fights because I was like, all right, this is going to happen anyway. Like, let's go. And it kind of, I, I mean, I don't do that anymore. I don't like start fights anymore, but it definitely, I still find ways to, I mean, I, I like sweat myself to death a lot. That's like. Like overthinking. Yeah. Yeah. Same. A lot. Like it's, and it's part of like, I think the reason why I really got academic at one point because I, I needed like somewhere else to go, you know, I needed like another outlet to explore that gave me pleasure and I found history books that was that was great that like gave me a lot yeah. of pleasure but I I also it's also like the same thing that I said before like I use the people around me to like remind me that I'm okay and I'm not yeah like special in the way that only I am suffering that only I am uh going through something and I think that's I've really relied on people giving that to me or learning that from books and music and movies that I am uh, in one of a, a confluence of people yeah. going through this issue and that, and it's not that it devalues my experience or your experience, but it helps one, I think, navigate it a little bit better mm -hmm. to know that they're not alone and to know that like, it's normal. Yeah, it's that, like, like a, it's a really normal ass thing to be going through. Yeah, it's like a healing solve. Yeah, it's it can be really isolating to be spiraling and I'll speak for myself and my mind about something. But like I said, going out in New York City or putting on a podcast can get me out of it sometimes yeah, on a good sure. day. Sometimes it doesn't. OK, that was a good segue to this second to last thing where we just have people recommend stuff. So. Book, music, podcast, food, TV show, anything you want to recommend in person, all the all the categories. Yeah, man, I got I got I got I got a ton. Great. You've already given us some good ones. It can be all time favorites or things you're loving lately. For books, one of my all time favorites and something that really changed my my perspective on a lot of things was um <laughs> this is getting weird. I know it's, it's there's this book called the Structure of Scientific Revolutions by Thomas Kuhn. Mm -hmm. And it's basically a book about how scientific revolutions take place. Um, like how we moved from Newtonian physics to Einstein relativity physics and how we moved from Copernicus to, to Newton. Like how, mm -hmm. how those paradigm shifts happen. Yeah, I went into it just thinking this is like, oh, this is some like, you know, weird science book. And it just became this like, an exercise in movements and in like big movements and in how big movements happen and why they happen and kind of like looking at culture as a, like a conduit for ideas and, and different truths. And it really changed the way I thought about a lot of things and about my own instantiated constant uh, aspects that I don't think are still are so instantiated and constant anymore. It's kind of met metaphysical, right? Of how moving from that era to that era, I've 
I haven't read that book, but I yeah, feel it's like- definitely not about science, or not always. Like the reasons we move from Newtonian to relativity is is not has has little to do with the science involved. All right, so that's my book. Yeah. A movie that yeah, I want to recommend. Yeah. My little brother's in a movie right now called Booksmart. Oh my god, it's so good! That I just, just saw came it. Out. Yeah, yeah. Who's your brother in it? He's the theater nerd. Oh, he's so good. He's so. Tell him he's so good. I will. I loved the movie so so much. So yeah. So everyone go see that movie. Yeah. See Noah Galvin. Yeah. Oh my god, that's. I loved his character. It was so great. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. That's like. I mean. <laughs> He is that character, like uh, not yeah. not so heavily in that direction. He was but hilarious. He is he was kind of like, that kid. Yeah, were you so? Did you watch it in theater? Were you so? Proud? Yeah, yeah. We went to the premiere last week in, in LA. It was it was awesome to see him. That's so cool. Uh, where are we? Podcast. Oh, podcast. Yeah, what are you man. To? I'm trying to get out of the history for a second because I could. I like history podcasts that I could give, but like, I really, really love Radio Lab. It's a really incredible one. Um, Reply All mm-hmm. is really amazing. Um, I just started this. Oh, the best podcast of all time is called S Town. Oh yeah, and like that's if you haven't heard it, you're living a lie. So <laughs> go listen to that TV show. Oh, Fleabag. Oh yeah, season I, two. Love it. I haven't, I haven't yeah, watched it though. It's it's a, it's a story of this woman who's trying to figure it out, yeah. and it's really both. Um, destroyed my life <laughs> yeah it's it's both really endearingly realistic but also safely gladiatorial in a way but um yeah she's she really does an incredible job and it's a fucking victory for yeah the world to have that show on okay i'm gonna add it to my add it to the queue um before i ask you the last thing i i meant to i love yokelore the name and i think i've heard you talk about it and that it has to do with stories, but I'd love for you to say it on the podcast. Yeah. So a yoke is a, um, an oxen yoke, uh, a binding agent that holds things together. And lore is like, a any set of stories, there's a lore of anything like yeah. there his, uh, countries, people or wars or, or traditions. And I firmly believe that, you find like value in the connection points between things. I love that. That's where the, the juice is or something, you know? Totally. And so I'm, I'm trying to tell stories about how I'm connected to certain ideas or people or places and things and how ideas are connected to other ideas and places and things and emotions. And I'm trying to just communicate the fact that just making connections just adds integrity yeah. to everything. Well, the last thing that I that I ask feeds into that really well. So the show's called Let It Out. Mm-hmm. We let out what we call soft stories. So mm-hmm. we define this as vulnerable, tender, real stories. And I believe that those bind us and connect us and make us feel us alone, which is so similar to what you were just saying. Has someone told you a soft story recently or ever that helped you and made you feel less alone or was useful to you? I get stories like that every day. Mm-hmm. I really like. I I I feel very lucky to be making music that I think really makes people consider themselves. And so I get, I, I get, yeah, I get testimonials like every day on on social media that's you know about people, how how the music affects them and how it's giving them a new avenue to go down. And it's 
absolutely wild that people are feeling that way about it and that people are able to receive so much of it. And it, it doesn't just make me feel less alone. It makes me feel like I'm doing my job and like yeah. I'm really being a binder of, of people. That's so cool. Why did you decide to go with a, a name different from your own? Man, because Adrian Galvin is so limiting. It's like only like, you know, five feet, six inches of half Jew, half Italian <laughs> kid. Like I can only go so many places with, with Adrian, but there's, Yoklor is so much broader and gives me so much more space to explore. Cool. Well, the name of this podcast is Let It Out. Is there anything that you never get asked that you wish that you could let out? Wish that I would have asked? I don't think so. I mean, I get to talk about my music and my artistry and I get to get on stage every night and like yell. Like I, I get to let it out, yeah, man. I really totally. do. And I feel so blessed to be able to do that. So thank you for giving more people the opportunity to do that because I know how, how valuable it is and I know how cathartic it can be and how important it is for all of us to have those spaces and times to, to let it go. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for your work and for chatting with me. Do you, I haven't seen you perform yet, but do you talk a lot between songs and on stage? I usually do. Yeah, I got kind of these like stories or lessons I use. I, I use Lore, to, yeah, to navigate each song. Tonight, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be doing much of that because it's a fairly abbreviated set. But I always offer what I can. Cool. Thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. One more thing, actually. We mm -hmm. let out a deep breath together. Mm -hmm. So are you down? Mm-hmm. Okay. Ready? Inhale. Let it out. <sighs> Always feels a little better. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, you guys. That was my episode with Yoke Lore, Adrian Gelvin. He's great, man. He's he's really talented and I like him a lot. Okay, please check out Goldilux Jewelry, my friend Libby's company. Her jewelry is so versatile, you can literally wear it with anything every day. And it also elevates a really nice outfit too. I've worn it to weddings, I've worn it to the park. I've I wear it every day, honestly. I love her rings so much. They're stackable, they're fun. I love her necklaces and her earrings. To be honest, I don't wear, but again, might start. And I think you guys would really like. She's so talented. Use the code Let It Out for twenty percent off your order. Please support her. It would just be so great. Buy it as a gift. Buy it for yourself. Maybe let's pick an item all together and maybe get something that's like a Let It Out friendship situation that we all wear. That could be cool. I don't know. I just am so grateful for her that she sponsored the podcast and I'm so happy that she is making art and wants to collaborate with me and sponsoring this podcast. It really means a lot to me, genuinely. And she wanted to get out of just marketing on social media. And I think that's really cool. So I would love to support her. So buy yourself something, treat yourself to something and support this podcast, support another woman-owned company, and support yourself by giving yourself a piece of jewelry that makes your outfits look more put together. You know, that's a great opportunity for you. All right. I hope I see most of you guys on the 14th at Showfields for our launch party. Check out the new website. Tell me what you think. I hope you like it. I've been working on it for a very long time. I think you guys are great. Quick likes and learns because they're just going to be quick. What I have been learning is done is better than perfect. Putting something out there 
that's not my quote. That's somebody said that I'm sure. I don't know who it is, but man, it's a good one. You know, it's like we just get paralyzed and thinking things and overthinking things and thinking about if people will like them. And I've just been putting out a lot of very imperfect things for years. And I don't know. I, I know I could be doing better, but I do think the consistency of just putting out work is useful and is good. And I've been liking so many different things. I went to two different parks today. It's just been nice to be out and be outside. I've been liking watching a lot of great movies, just movies that I love and are cozy to me. Like I mentioned at the beginning of my security blanket movies. So I recently rewatched Almost Famous and the Royal Tenenbaums and Happy Thank You More Please, which is my favorite movie in the world. And I've been liking this TV show called Sweet Bitter. I like it a lot. And the next season, season two, is on right now. It's on the Stars Network. And I'm just really enjoying it. So I love you guys. Check those things out. Goldilocks Jewelry. I love it so much. I think you will like it as well. And see you on the 14th. Oh, and obviously go to Adrian's shows because he's a fantastic performer. And I should mention this was recorded a couple months ago at the Emerge Music Festival. He was one of the artists playing there and there's several more conversations coming up that were recorded there, including my conversation with Andrew Bird and London Kane and more. So stick around. I'll talk to you guys next week. Oh, the emoji for this week's episode is the heart, the two pink hearts that are on top of each other, kind of on a diagonal. So tweet that at me and at Yoklor on Instagram and let us know that you're listening all the way to the end. Love you. Bye.